Welcome to Real Church for Real People, everybody. Glad to be in church today. Yeah, me too. I'm glad to be hanging out with all of you. And I want to say a big hello to all of you who are gathering online with us right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. And then, as always, want to just look at the camera and show some love for our Hokessin Church family. Newark, will you help me give it up for online and Hokessin? In all of our locations and excited about what's happening in this season, we are in week three of this series that we've called Unknown God, which is all about what it could look like for us to get to know God as someone we have a relationship with, not just as a a distant dictator or some kind of cosmic force out there, but someone that we actually know and get closer to. And for many of us, uh, that may be a, a newer idea, or for some of us, perhaps it's a questionable idea. Can that, is that really possible? Can I, can I know God? But the question is, what if that is what God really wants for us? More than anything, that we would know him, that we would, uh, that we would get closer to him. And what if it's also what we need more than anything to have a relationship with God? Maybe what we need most is not for everything in our lives to go the way that we want it to or hope it will, but that we would have this, this strong connection, this spiritual connection with God. So as we jump into week three of the series, and by the way, let me take a moment and just say, if you miss weeks one and two, I strongly encourage you uh, to go back and watch those. You can find those on our YouTube channel or our website and, and just get caught up to speed because the way these series work together is all of the pieces come together to to make a whole. So if you haven't yet, go back, watch those. But as we jump into week three, uh, how many of us have had a bad day recently? Just by a show of hands, we had a bad day recently. Come on, Hokesson, let us know if you had a bad day recently online. Maybe you're having one right now. Anybody have a bad week? Have you ever had a bad week? Anybody had a bad week? Anybody ever had a bad month? Just a bad month. Anybody having a bad life? Just just be, you know, just having it. To be honest, since I was born, it really hasn't Things have not improved. <laughs> it has gone downhill from there. Uh, you know, I've had some bad days in my life, and usually when I'm having a bad day, I can talk myself back into a healthy place. You know, Johnston, just breathe. It's, it's going to be all right, man. Regulate. <laughs> Get yourself back. Tomorrow is going to be better. But, and the longer I live, the more I realize one bad day doesn't, doesn't mean my life is over. So I have some experience in life now, and, and I understand one bad day is not the end of the world. But when you put a few of those bad days together, when I have a few in a row, it can be tempting to think, this is my life now. I mean, th- this, is, this is how it is. Things are really bad. And you can probably relate. And beyond the immediate pain of that, which I don't want to brush past because you know, sometimes we laugh about our bad days because it hurts too much to cry, right? We're just, like, some of them are really bad, and I don't want to brush past that, but I think if you zoom out, those seasons of, of suffering or difficulty bring up some bigger questions that we have about God. Now, I believe in God, and uh, I, I believe that, that he's real. I feel that I have a relationship with him, but I, to be honest, sometimes when a, a series of bad days begin to, to hook themselves together in my life, I've, I have thoughts like, God, what are you doing? Anybody else ever just honestly just have that thought like, God, what you, do you need me to take over the universe for a few minutes here? It's like, what's, what's going on? Why are you letting me go through this? Why is all this happening? And especially again, when things start to stack themselves on top of each other, I haven't even caught up from how I feel about one bad thing and another bad thing hits and 
Maybe you've been there, and those questions can push us away from God. We get confused, we get discouraged, we maybe get a little mad at God, whatever we believe about him, and, and we wonder if God is so good, like if God's supposed to be this good God, then why are things for me or for someone I care about or just in the world around me, why are things so bad? And people have been asking that question for a long time. It's not a new question. I don't, I'm not, just so you know, thinking that in the next 35 minutes I can answer it completely. But I do believe there is a perspective that at the very least can reframe how we think about that question and how we think about that problem. If God is so good, why are things so bad. So last week we talked about the Bible and why it doesn't always make sense to us, especially, especially the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible that was written, compiled before Jesus came. And one of the things that happens in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament of the Bible, there are a lot of statements about God's character and his nature. In fact, that's the part of the Bible where we learn a lot about who God actually is fundamentally, his, his power, his attributes, his personality. And there's one statement in the Old Testament that God actually, so a lot of things that are written are people describing God, but this particular statement that is made over and over again typically comes from God's own mouth. People say, hey, I'm not saying this. God is saying this about himself. And we're going to read this statement in a particular place in the Bible that I think is interesting because God actually says it in a conversation about and with someone who doesn't really know him yet. And so if you're a skeptic, if you're like, I'm not really sure what I believe about God, if you can think of it this way, God, if he's real, so I believe he is, you may not yet, but this is him having a conversation with you. <laughs> and for me, when my bad days start to string together, this is God having a conversation with me. And this is what he says I am the Lord, and there is no other. We're going to start here. God says, I am the Lord, I'm God, and there is no other. So a few years ago, I was speaking in France. I had the opportunity, I've been a couple of times to speak at events there, and my wife Susie was with me, and we got a chance to visit the Louvre, the, the museum in Paris where the Mona Lisa is kept. This is her. And uh, of course, very, the most famous painting in the world. So we walked through this museum uh, for an hour or two. We, we saw all of these amazing pieces of art and just this incredible experience. And, and I'm not an art uh, connoisseur, so I didn't, you know, they, eventually they all started to look the same, to be honest. It was like, okay, a lot of naked people, you know, in gardens. And is that okay? I won't use it in the next gathering if you're uncomfortable with it, but sometimes I like to test things out and just see it. <laughs> just checking to see if you're awake, you know. But they all started to kind of look the same. But then we walked into this room where there was an armed guard standing there, very serious looking. There was a rope separating you from the one side of the room. There was a crowd huddled around this rope and everybody was looking at the Mona Lisa and people were ooing and awing and taking pictures. Why? Because the most famous painting in the world is the Mona Lisa. If you wonder why she's smiling, it's because she's thinking, I am the Mona Lisa and there is no other. <laughs> she knows she's one of a kind. Well, God says, I am the Lord and there is no other. And again, you might not believe that yet, and I'm not here to twist your arm. I believe this about God. It's one of the things that actually attracts me to God. 
that he's one of a kind. He is awesome. He is, he is beyond my comprehension, and he is, he is a powerful God. But Jesus, when he came, echoed this and then had the audacity to apply it to himself. So Jesus didn't come to say, hey, I want to, we talked about this a little bit last week, I want to diminish some of these things about God. He came to actually make them even clearer. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, so no one can come to this one God except through me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now, most people during the time of the Old Testament and most people during Jesus' time, with the exception of this one little nation in the Mideast, the nation of Israel, most people around the world didn't believe in the idea of there just being one God. They believed in a bunch of gods and they believed there were a bunch of ways to get to those gods. But for Jesus, this is a deal breaker. And he says, God is not just one of many. He is the one and only. He is one of a kind. It's like God is saying, listen, you can't just know me the way you know anybody else. You can actually only get to know me when you realize I'm not quite like anybody else. Like I'm the, I'm the only God that I'm not, I don't have any competitors. You know, we're going to talk about this in the next series, which I'm very excited about. Uh, We're going to talk about this idea of some of the spiritual battles we face, some unseen things we go through in our faith and how to win in those, but sometimes we get this idea of kind of like God and the devil, and it's like they're having this, you know, boxing match or something, and it's like, oh, God got a point, oh, the devil got a point, you know, they're sort of going back and forth. God's like, no, 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 no. There's, I don't have any competitors. I don't have anyone else that's giving me a run for my money. I'm, I'm the only God. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And when you think about it, that, again, is part of what makes God so extraordinary, so beautiful, so amazing. It's that he is one of a kind. It's part of why we gather like this, because it's worth it for the Mona Lisa of gods. It's worth it for the one of a kind, the God. The God is changing our lives. The God is at work in us. It is worth it. And so we we gather like this and we want to see people all throughout our region get a glimpse of this one and only God who is a good God, which is why we invite everyone in and unlike the Louvre, admission is free. And everyone gets a chance, and there's no, there's no armed guard staring at you, you know, scowling at you. Everyone can get a glimpse of this good God, okay? So I'm the Lord, there is no other God says. What does that have to do with the problem of suffering and all the bad stuff in our lives that we don't understand, the pain we go through, and the things that make it difficult sometimes to believe in God? Well, right after God says that he's the Mona Lisa of gods, that he's one of a kind, he continues and he says this. And remember, he's talking about and to somebody who doesn't know him yet. Now, this is written in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah knew God. But this particular part of Isaiah is written about and kind of to a guy named Cyrus who didn't know God. And God says, I'm the one and only, and I create the light and make the darkness. So again, there's not some like cosmic thing going on, but I'm, I'm actually in control of everything. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. So here's God saying, I'm, I'm the one and only, and I am a good God. 
And that's another theme that, that works its way through God's revelation of himself in the Bible and, and experience with him. He's a good God, but he is not good. God says, I am not good just in the way you think of good. I'm not limited to your human understanding of what good is. Remember, he says, I'm not like anybody else. I create the light, so I bring the bright moments and the joyful experiences and the relationships that you're grateful for into your life, and I make the darkness, so those seasons and struggles that leave you feeling like you're groping around in the middle of the night, I send good times and bad times. I am the Lord, and I am in control of everything, and we can't totally wrap our hearts and heads around that. That's just so much to try and understand. What does it mean? Does it mean that God causes suffering and pain? Does it mean he was behind the promotion that we got last year and the pink slip that we got this year? Does it mean that God led us to the girl of our dreams but also allowed the breakup? Does it mean that, that God gave us the health we had before and allowed us to experience the cancer we're reeling from now? I mean, how do we wrap our hearts and heads around that? Does this mean that God says yes to prosperity and pain? Now, that's, that's a lot for us to understand. And as a result, sometimes, what do we do? We, we push away from God. Like, I just, I don't, God. and by the way, we, we're happy when it's the good stuff, Right? We're like, oh, thank you, God. We, I don't really have a lot of time to thank you right now because I'm too busy enjoying all the stuff you gave me. Another thought for another message. But, but we're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is good. But as soon as the bad stuff hits, we're like, why? You know, and, we, and uh, myself included. So how do we wrap our hearts around this? My daughter, when she was little, uh, seven or eight years old, had to have her tonsils out. Maybe some of you have had this experience or you've had kids had to go through this. Her airway was being obstructed by her tonsils. And finally, the doctor said, hey, these got to come out. And so we explained to our daughter, you're going to have to have surgery. And strangely enough, she was not a fan of the idea. She was like, no, I don't want that. That's not what I want. But we insisted. We overrode her will. We said, I'm sorry, it's happening. We took her to the hospital. The anesthesiology, I'll just put her under. Uh, the, the surgeon removed her tonsils, and when she started to wake up, I'll never forget it, she was in so much pain. So she's disoriented, she's lying in this hospital bed, she's confused, she's scared, her throat hurts, her brain is fuzzy from the anesthesia. She looked up at us crying, she's in this strange place, bright lights, so, so disoriented. She looked up at us crying, and she wanted to know why we had done this to her. And it was, a, it was a pitiful moment. So let me ask you, at the moment, would you have called us good parents? Would you have said, now, there are some good parents. Not if you were her. <laughs> Looking up at us from that hospital bed in the recovery room, in pain, feeling betrayed, seeing nothing good that could come out of this painful experience, our daughter had every reason to question the existence of good parents. She was probably feeling like a parent atheist right then. Like, I don't even think there are parents. I don't know who these people are, but if they were good parents, why would they let this happen to me, right? right? 
Like why, what kind of good parents would drag their child to a strange place and let strange people knock her unconscious and rip part of her body out of her throat? Who would do that? There cannot be any such thing as parents. And if parents do exist, they're not good. In that moment, she didn't understand. And in my moments of greatest pain and fear and uncertainty, can I just tell you, I don't always understand either. And I'm like, God, what are you, why would you do this to me? Why would you let, or even worse, now the longer I live, it's not so much me, it's like, why would you let someone I love go through that? And in your greatest moments of fear and confusion and uncertainty, you probably don't understand either. And that's why we tend to push God away. But there is another path we could take. And it looks like beginning to realize that the only way to understand God is to trust God with what I don't yet understand. That, that's why he led with, I'm the, I'm the Mona Lisa. I'm the Lord, there is no other. I'm one of a kind. You can't just put the same filter and frame that you put on everything and everyone else and try to get me. I'm, I'm not like everyone else. And so there's this trusting. Now that story about my daughter and her tonsil surgery, that's easy to tell because you know time has passed. The surgery was a success. She has recovered. She even got to eat lots of ice cream that she wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to eat. She's, she's you know, doing great. But in the moment, she had to choose. Do I wait until my parents aren't looking and run away, get as far from these terrible people as I can, find someone else to be my parent, or just live life without parents? Or do I trust them with what I don't yet understand because they are the Mona Lisa of parents to me? Like they have a one-of-a-kind love for me. I don't, I don't get what they're doing. I, don't, I have no idea why they just let me go through that. But no one loves me quite like they do. So I'm going to trust them. So what happens when we don't do that? When we don't trust God with what we don't yet understand? Well, it sets us up for a world of hurt. And God says that. He says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Now, some of us are going, man, I was doing that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> what sorrow? And our daughter did this. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Our daughter argued with us before and after she had her tonsils out. She argued with us. Her big headline was, this is not good. I don't want this. There's no good reason for this. If you love me, you wouldn't make me go through this. And you know what we did? We lovingly tried to convince her to stop arguing with us. Why? Because we noticed the more she argued with us, the more her stress level went up about something that was going to happen whether she argued or not. The more she argued with us, the more her sorrow level increased. You know, there are some things that God is going to allow us to go through that we don't yet understand, and we can argue if we want, but sometimes all our arguing does is just increase our own stress level. And God comes along and says, hey, you know what? Maybe you should stop arguing. We're like, no. 
if you're a good God, why would you let me go through this? And God's like, hey, we're going to go through this process, and I'm just trying to get you not to add sorrow on the sorrow you're already going to experience by arguing with your creator. So you can hear God say this two different ways. We can hear God say, hey, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Like, if you argue with me, I'm going to make you sorry. Or you can hear God say, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? If you argue with me about this, you're going to end up making yourself sorry. And you don't have to do that. There is another path because arguing with God is not the path that leads to joy. And I know we all do it, but some of us get stuck in it. Some of us are giving God the silent treatment over something in our lives that we don't understand. We've blocked that part of our lives off. We, we had it out and then we just kind of block that part off and internally we're arguing with our creator and come on, just be honest. I'm not, this is not for me, for you. Is it leading to joy? And is it, is it healing the situation? No, it just increases our stress level. You know, I had an aha moment a couple of years ago and I really credit this to what God did through being in a group. Uh, so being around a few people going the same direction spiritually that I am, if you wonder why I'm so passionate about this, because one of the greatest ways that God has changed my life and is changing my life is through J groups. I don't, I don't just preach it, I practice it. And I was in this group, and I had a series of conversations in the group I was in, and I just had this aha moment when I realized I create... Now I don't, I don't have the exact number. I think it's somewhere between 80 and 90% of my own pain. It's had an aha moment. And I bet you do too. <laughs> and don't get mad at me. But just think about it for a moment. Usually we think people, circumstances, hardships, unexpected things are responsible for most of our pain. But I had this moment where I realized, no, I actually, I, am, I create, I am responsible for most of my pain, not all of it, but most of it. How? Through my reactions to it, through the way I ruminate, through how I let myself kind of spiral downward sometimes, unhealthy emotions, either running amok all over the place or being stuffed down and not dealt with honestly. I create pain through wishful thinking. I create pain through, through resentment. I create pain through assuming other people's motives. I create pain through jealousy and insecurity and nurturing all of that instead of giving it over to God. I create pain when I'm stingy instead of generous. I create pain when I have no problem with other people that I don't know going through difficulty, but think God has really betrayed me when I go through difficulty. I just create all that pain. I don't create all of my own pain, but I create a huge majority of it. And I think 10 to 20% of my pain and probably yours comes from people and circumstances. And then the other 80 to 90% comes from the stories we tell ourselves about those people and circumstances instead of trusting God. And the reality is what, what God is saying is true. He's not threatening us. He's telling us in advance what's going to happen, what sorrow awaits. Those who argue with their creator, because the truth is the only way to understand God is to trust God with what I don't yet understand. Now listen to how God breaks this down. He says, let me give you an example. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? So just picture that in your mind. I've never made a clay pot, but I kind of get the idea. Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it? <laughs> so again, God's going, hey, you and I are not 
Like we're not negotiating. We're not peers. Sometimes I treat God that way. I'm like, okay, God, let's hang out a little bit. You tell me what you think. I'll tell you what I think. You know, you've been my way a little bit. I might bend your way a little bit. God's like, no, 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 no. You're a lump of clay. I'm a potter. I'm a I'm shaping, I'm, I'm in charge here. So does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it? Say, stop, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> does the pot, and by the way, that's not the pot, it's the pot. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes you gotta make the Bible come alive, but we're talking about clay, just so you know. Does the... <laughs> That will not make it into the next gathering. Does the, <laughs> does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? Now, again, I've never, I've never done the pottery thing. Maybe some of you have. But the picture makes sense to me. Like the, the clay doesn't go, stop. You, I'm, I'm supposed, my handle's supposed to curve this way. And I'm supposed to be the, no, the clay submits. That's what clay does. And the truth is, That's what we're called to do with God. How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, why did you make me this way? God says, you're clay, I'm the potter. And let's go even more personal. You're my kids and I'm your father. When my kids were little, both of them faced medical issues. My daughter, uh, when she was born, had a, a click in her hip that in the first couple of days after she was born, the, do- the doctors got really concerned about. And of course, you know, it's our first kid, and we're freaking out, and, and thankfully, thank God, it resolved, went away. She never had any further issues, and we thanked God for that. My son, when he was two, was diagnosed with autism, and that has not gone away. And that has not been resolved. So listen, for me, the same God who healed my daughter is the same God who hasn't healed my son yet. And he's good. And he's beautiful. And I'm the clay. He's the potter. And it's not a passive thing. I have no problem going to God and crying out to him for the miracles I need and the things I'm believing him for. But at the end of the day, I'm not going, hey, you're doing it wrong. I'm more qualified to run the universe than you are. No, no, I'm submitting to the hands of a good God. And I don't always get what he does and what he doesn't do. And you probably don't always get it either. But what I'm learning more and more is that the only way to get closer to God To really begin to understand God is to trust God with what we don't yet understand. And the grip that you've got on what you need to understand before you trust represents the gap between you and God. And if you'll let go of what you don't yet understand, God will meet you in that gap. And he'll show you that he's the Mona Lisa. He's one of a kind. And how else do we explain I think so often we're like, okay, the existence of evil disproves the existence of a good God. Why don't we ever say the existence of good proves the existence of a good God? And how do you explain that when we look back, we often see that the best moments in our lives came wrapped in the worst experiences at the time? There was a good God saying, no, don't yell at me yet. I'm not done. 
Don't get angry with me yet. I'm not finished. Stop arguing with me. Let me shape. Let me create. I've got something going. You have no idea. You're half a pot right now going, I'm incomplete. God's going, I know I'm not done. Let me keep working, and by the time I get finished, you will thank me for every pain along the way that I was using and working through to shape your life. Come on, there's a good God who is at work, but he's just not done yet. He's not finished, and he is not working on our timeline, just so you know. God's not like, oh yeah, I better hurry up. No, he's like, I got this. I was working before you were born. God says, this is what I want you to know, the Holy One of Israel and your creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? I am the one who made the earth and created the people who live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. I'm the Mona Lisa of gods. I am one of a kind, and I absolutely know what I'm doing. That's what God says. So back to the hospital with our little girl lying in a bed too big for her, coming to after surgery, looking up at us going, how could you do this to me? Why weren't we the worst parents ever? Well, the reason we weren't the worst parents ever is because we knew her life will be good in the long run because of this season of bad. It's that simple. We saw a bigger picture that she was not capable of seeing. It wasn't that she was being obstinate or stubborn. There's just no way her seven or eight-year-old brain could see the larger picture. We knew this would be worth it because these few days of pain and fear and uncertainty represent just a fraction of her life. And her, the whole picture is going to be better. And sure enough, we have demonstrated we are good parents. Her life's better now. And it required that pain for her life to be better. Now, the only thing worse than her going through that would be if she had not gone through that and she was still dealing with the obstruction in her airway as a result of those tonsils that needed to come out. And the only thing that some of us, worse than some of us going through what we've been through is if we hadn't gone through it so God could remove the obstruction in our souls that was keeping us from what we really needed to know to know him. He's he's a good God. But... This is where some of us go, yeah, but your daughter had a few days of pain and uncertainty. I'm not dealing with that. My situation is months or years or a lifetime. It still represents a fraction of our existence. Because Jesus came along and he said, let me just continue what God said back in Isaiah hundreds of years ago. Listen to this now. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So when you run into things you don't yet understand... Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't start arguing with your creator. Instead, here it is, trust. Trust in God and trust also in me. Why Why should we do that? Because this life isn't all there is. Actually, there's more than enough room in my father's home. And if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, when I'm done shaping When you've been through all the pain of the process, when you've lived a life full of ups and downs and things you understood and things you didn't, I'll come get you so that you will always be with me where I am. 
So there are some things that we are simply not qualified to call good or bad yet because we haven't lived long enough to know which they will actually turn out to be. And for all of us who believe in God and who trust God with what we don't yet understand, he is causing all things to work together for our good. But we just haven't lived long enough. You say, there's no way you will ever convince me in this lifetime that what I've been through was actually for my good. You're right. I'll never convince you in this lifetime. But the moment you see Jesus, you're going to go, oh, I get it now. I see why. I I was lying in that hospital bed looking up at you, God, going, there's no way you're a good God. But now I see it. You just weren't done yet. You just hadn't finished shaping my life into what you'd always designed it to be. See, God is unlike anyone else, but there is one way in which you and I are just like God. Because when he created us, he put his DNA in us, and we will live forever, which means we're not qualified after five years to say that was bad or that was good. We're not even qualified sometimes after 50 years to say that was bad, that was good. But when we've lived 500 years, 5,000 years, when we get into eternity, then we're going to have this perspective where we understand, man, that was just a brief moment of pain, but God caused it to work together for my good. He is a good God. So don't give up on God yet. That would be like our daughter packing a bag the night after her tonsil surgery and running away because she was convinced that the pain we allowed her to face for a season meant that we weren't good parents. And we were good parents. So don't give up on God. You're going to have to wait to see how this all works together for your good. In the meantime, park your life here. But the only way to understand God is to trust God with what you don't yet understand. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to let us know that God wasn't just standing back passively watching us have our tonsils removed. Jesus was God joining us on the operating table, saying, hey, I'm gonna let them take my tonsils out too. In fact, I'm gonna face death on your behalf and I'm gonna let them remove what my life and and if I can go through this so can you and it will be worth it our father is good let me hold your hand on the operating table let me show you how good God is see the real mystery is not why do why do bad things happen to good people the real mystery is why did the worst thing ever happen to the best person ever and the answer is so God could show you how much he loved you So what do we do? How do we trust God with what we don't yet understand? Well, we believe in him and we submit to him and we surrender to the process and we let him know, God, you are the one and only. Part of that means don't have a backup, God. I've been challenged on this recently. Like, don't be like, God, I trust you, but if you don't figure it out, I got this little backup plan. No, he's the one and only. So we go all in with God, but we don't stop there. Another step we take is we begin doing good things in the midst of the bad things happening around us. It's what Love Week is all about. It's happening a week from now. It's an opportunity for all of us 
to roll up our sleeves and to serve people outside these walls. There's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of need, there's a lot of desperation. There are people who need help and hope and food and our generosity. And so what happens is we begin to serve. And I'm encouraging you to do that, to sign up to serve during Love Week. Why? Because it's a church program? No, because it's an opportunity to demonstrate that we believe that we may very well be the good thing God is sending into the midst of the bad things in our world to reveal how good he is. Just like God sent Jesus, he is sending us. We're not the savior, we're not the Messiah, but like Jesus, we go into the world, we begin to do good things in the middle of pain, in the middle of desperation, so that we peel back that heavy curtain of confusion and show people there's a good God. And maybe you're saying, yeah, but I can't serve right now. I've got got things in my own life and I hear you. I get it. You've got stuff that's weighing you down, holding you back. But lovingly, can I just tell you, you will never figure out God sitting on your couch complaining. But you might find God rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in what matters to him. And so even when there are bad things happening in our lives, we surrender to the process and we say, God, I'm gonna be a force for good in the world. I'm gonna show people Jesus in the midst of what I don't yet understand and I'm gonna keep my eyes on you and I'm gonna live in this place where I realize the only way to understand you, God, is to trust you with what I don't yet understand. And if that hits home for you, if you're in a room today, one of our physical locations, we just shoot your hand up. There's something about that, just saying, man, I receive that. If you're gathering online right now, let us know that you wanna be included in this next prayer. This hits home for you. And let's open our hearts to God together. Come on, everybody in the room. Jesus, we honor you today. God, we submit our lives to you. We stand in reverence before you. That means we recognize how awesome you are. How simultaneously wonderful and terrifying your power is. We're thankful that we can have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And now, God, we give you the things we don't yet understand. Would you do that with me right now? Just picture yourself holding the stuff in your hands that doesn't make sense, that is, that is painful and confusing and unresolved. And when you just hand it over to him, God, we hand over to you the things we don't yet understand. We trust you with the stuff that doesn't make sense. We trust you, God. We would rather know you than know every answer to every question in the moment. We trust you. And while you do that for a moment more, let God speak to you. For some of you in the room or watching online, maybe you don't yet have a real relationship with God and maybe you've been angry at God because of the things you've been through or the things you've watched people you care about go through. What if the hard things in your life could have a purpose? What if they could bring you to a moment like this when you realize that the only way to find your life is to let go of it in trust. And you would come to a moment like this where you would put your faith in Jesus and you would look to him to forgive you and to rescue you and to heal your life. And if you want that today, you don't have to wait a moment more. I'm gonna lead us in prayer one more time. And if this is you, if you wanna begin a real relationship with God right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you joined me in my pain to 
forgive me of my sin and to give me hope. You are leader and Lord of my life from this moment on. And if that's you, well, everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I wanna be included in that prayer, I'm following Jesus from this moment forward. Will you lift your hand and just hold it up high all over the room and hook us in, hold it up high, boldly. Online, let us know. And then everybody, will you help me come on together? Let's celebrate the goodness of our God.